a big part of trauma is the fact that you've experienced something so overwhelming, your system can't cope with it. Like you've lost control. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so part of trying to create safety for yourself after trauma is you wanting to have that control, create that safety wherever you can. Welcome to the Billboard Podcast, a safe space where personal growth meets self-love and spirituality. In here, we hold conscious and sometimes controversial conversations between open-minded souls as we believe in the power of sharing wisdom while remaining a curious student of life. I'm your host, Antoine Billboard, conscious content creator, spiritual influencer, and trauma-informed breathwork facilitator. In these episodes, I will open up about my own healing journey and how we can all contribute to the creation of a better world by raising human consciousness. Let's awaken the matrix within the matrix. Rising gorgeous soul, welcome or welcome back to the Billboard Podcast. If you're watching from YouTube, hello there, welcome or welcome back to my channel. And if you're watching from anywhere else in the podcast world, I am so grateful that you're here. I hope that you're going to find value in today's episode. So for today, I interviewed one of my dear friends. Her name is Hunter. We met, so I'm just going to give a little bit of background information about her and just today's conversation, of course. We met through a program we both took part of a year ago, literally a year ago. We started last November 2021. We filmed this interview back in June. So it's been a minute and um, <laughs> a few things have changed both within my universe and Hunter's universe, but the conversation we had is still super, super relevant. We talked about somatic healing. And for those of you who are not familiar with somatic healing, it's essentially healing from a bottom up approach. Let me give you a little bit of context here if you're new into this whole somatic healing world. Basically, there's two approaches to healing. You can heal from a top-bottom approach, so from the mind, which is where talk therapy comes in, you know, verbalizing the hurt, verbalizing the trauma, and really allowing another perspective, like another person to come in with their own, you know, set of skills whether that is a therapist, a psychotherapist, somebody that has study and knowledge around how the mind works and how your body and your psyche develop different ways to cope with trauma. That is talk therapy and that is considered a top-bottom approach. It starts with the mind and then we get comfortable with the idea that there's something uncomfortable in the body. But we mentioned it in the episode that we cannot stay in the mind forever. If you live in the future, you're going to have anxiety. If you live in the past, you're going to have depression. But if you live in the present, you're going to have peace. And to live in the present and experience peace, and I'm not by all means talking from a perspective that I know all of it or that I embody peace perfectly every single day. I do aspire to and I do remind myself to, I bring myself back to the path of peace whenever I get the chance to, whenever I catch myself being in fight or flight or having worst case scenario thinking. But when we stay truly embodied in the present moment, 
we experience more peace and less worry. And that's what somatic healing provides. It's really allowing you to drop into your body. And by dropping into your body, I mean really literally feeling yourself as if you are inhabiting this skin as a meat suit. Because that's pretty much what it is. Like, we, we're not afraid to talk about these topics in this house on the Billboard podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is a meat suit that we were given upon birth, upon arrival on this, you know, third dimensional realm with which we can physically interact. But we have a body. And when we're reminding of that, we can like literally just... (sighs) Take a deep breath and just feel the support of the chair. Feel your lungs expand and deflate as you breathe and just feel every inch of your skin enveloping you and protecting you and really marking the limit of your being like where yourself ends in this universe like i am contained within this envelope and of course i have an aura i have an electromagnetic field that expands and decreases with my emotions but when i drop into the body like i'm here this is where i am i am here right now and it's all there is and it's peaceful you know this is what i think most mindfulness practices boil down to like really just being here like just being (laughs) without worrying about the state of the world or what's going to happen tomorrow or if you're going to have food later. Like right now, I'm good. And then when we bring that into therapy, it creates this sense of safety and empowerment. Like, okay, I'm here. What do we do now? Like, I'm here, I'm ready. Whereas talk therapy focuses on what there is to be fixed. And that's why... I love to say we cannot stay in the mind for too long because if we stay in the mind, the mind is a problem-solving machine. It's always going to find problems to solve. So as long as you feed it that narrative, it's going to be looking, scanning your environment and yourself, if that's where you put your focus, for problems. It's going to scan for problems to resolve. Whereas bottom-up therapy really allows you to listen to what is going on in the body and allow the body to have a voice, to speak and to let you know what it's experiencing. Like, where is the anxiety in my body? Where is the trauma in my body? And can we work on that, around that energetically to then have the body communicate with the mind about what that tension or that you know, stock energy or bundle of nerve that's accumulated resentment or anger or fear or grief through all these years. Because we carry these emotions when we avoid going through them and processing them. It gets accumulated in the body and that can calcify literally into pain, into arthritis, into joint pains muscle pain and what have you like it starts with the neck if you have a tense neck then it goes down your shoulders it can go all the way down to your back and like the hips 
you, we have huge bones in the hips. We have big muscles in the hips, which can store indeed a lot of energy. But when it's left untreated, unaddressed, ignored, suppressed, it stays there. It doesn't just magically vanish overnight. To kind of circle things back to today's conversation with Hunter, she's going to be sharing about some of her own personal experiences with somatic healing, including ayahuasca, MDMA-assisted therapy, so a lot of plant medicine-assisted therapies. And um, I think Hunter is just a perfect guest to interview for this because as you're going to discover with this conversation, Hunter has historically struggled with trusting and feeling safe in her body, which is a common response in trauma survivors is this necessity to have control over the experience at all times. And the irony is that with substances and medicines such as ayahuasca, you're not in control. You're not, you don't have control of the steering wheel. Again, as you're going to discover in today's conversation, it was cathartic to her. She released a lot and she learned a lot about her own trauma and baggage and experience. So, yeah, again, this conversation is going to be mixed with a lot of things that I do find fascinating, including trauma, how we respond to trauma, how we can heal trauma in different ways, including from the body, myself being a breathwork facilitator, just as Hunter, I love to talk about healing trauma with the body because that's what breathwork is moving energy with your lungs, which is pneuma, which is spirit, which is, you know, it's when you breathe in, you're allowing in life. It's what keeps you alive. So when you use it consciously with specific patterns, you can have energetic releases, emotional releases, and physical reactions, literally. Like sometimes my body just tenses up and you, you don't consciously necessarily know what is going on, but you know that your body is working with something the key is to just let it happen and let it flow. As soon as you start to worry and as soon as you start to kind of just want to like grip back control over the experience, that's where the discomfort starts. But again, I'm going on a tangent, which is what happens on the Billboard podcast. I should probably rebrand it to the tangent podcast. But you got the deal. So healing trauma and plant medicine, which is something that I love to talk about and I love to dive into. I think it's because my ancestors, I myself am First Nation, so I am Aboriginal from Canada. And as I'm learning, as I'm rediscovering about my own culture, plant medicine, including cannabis and psilocybin mushroom were highly utilized in rituals with the shamans and just first nations in general it was part of their connection with spirit with nature and that's how they were able to communicate in more profound ways and access levels of consciousness that are not accessible in normal waking states so i really really loved that Hunter was able to bring some of her experience with ayahuasca. Now, I think on that note, and without further ado, it is time to let you guys in to the conversation that I had with Hunter about somatic healing. The body keeps the score. All right, let's go. The first time 
somatic experiencing was ever brought up to me um, was actually in an Indigenous counseling class in my undergraduate program. Yeah, like we were talking about like intergenerational trauma and like how like Western ways of counseling don't always work with all populations um, and with certain types of trauma. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just through the conversation and the dialogue we were having in this class, because it wasn't like any normal class. Like we all sat in a circle. Like it was very like dialogue-y, which is fantastic. And um, yeah, it just like, I don't know, a spark went off in my head and I'm like, oh my God. Because, you know, I've been in trauma therapy for in and out for like a couple of years and like really hadn't seen any substantial like growth or healing. And it, it just kind of clicked for me. I'm like, this is what I need. Mm. So I went through it first as a, as a client, I saw the power of it. And then, yeah, I literally decided to do my master's degree in counseling specifically to become a somatic therapist. Many of our counseling modalities that we use today are talk therapy, right? right? There's like going in through like language, through cognitions, and a lot of it is really targeted on changing the thoughts, right? Um, But the thing is like with with trauma, um, of course, everyone experiences it differently, but these, these kind of memories and these kind of events aren't encoded like in your brain in the same way as other things you go through because when you go through something that overwhelming parts of your brain go offline right, right. so they get stored as like Im- implicit memories which are not attached to language right so th- through these talk therapies there's places we can't always access so somatic experiencing therapy essentially is a bottom up modality it's working with the nervous system mm. and the sensations in the body to target like change on like a cellular level really so it's kind of like the backwards approach to talk therapy right talk therapy is like a top down like brain down approach Mm -hmm. and with somatic experiencing we're going like body up because as we know the body keeps the score for sure body keeps the score the body knows it sure does it does i kind of relate to that sue before I found about alternative healing modalities such as Reiki or breathwork, mm-hmm. I was very cognitive too. I wanted to have this picture-perfect visual representation of what was it that I had been through and what impact it had left on my body, my mind, my psyche. I spent so much time trying to remember, trying to understand, trying to name and mm-hmm. although, yes, it's good, talk therapy has its place. It, it's good to start totally. with the mind. Totally. It's great. The mind is a great place to start. We need to understand and acknowledge that there are other ways to operate and to have this curiosity of being like, okay, let's, let's see what happened and what can we do. But then we cannot stay in the mind forever. We have, we have to drop the healing in the body, which is what somatic healing really allows to, especially breath work, since we both have that in common. But I'm curious to know, like, what are other ways to tap into this um, bottom up approach? You know what, there are quite a few ways, probably more than I even, you know, have knowledge of, but breath work is one of those ways, <laughs> right? Which is <laughs> what, what brought me to it. Uh, another thing that I have experienced as a client 
and is a bottom-up approach and I've found profoundly impactful is neurofeedback. Ooh. Yeah. Honestly, so many people have asked me to explain to them what neurofeedback is, but as someone who is not a neuroscientist myself, I do struggle to explain it, but essentially Mm. like to get from point A to point B in your brain, you've established like a certain pathway, right? Right. Like you're always going down the same pathway. It may not be the best pathway, but you're going to keep going down that same pathway. Um, every time the same kind of circumstance comes up, right. That's how we make life easier, right? Like if we had to repave these pathways every time something happened, then, you know, mm. we would be overworking our brain. So anyways, yeah, just like tying up, tying your shoes. You don't have to figure out how to tie your shoes every single time. It becomes automatic. Yeah. So that's advantages. But if exactly a behavior like going to the bottle to cope, I mean, grabbing a glass of wine to cope for yeah. challenging experiences, if that becomes a neural pathway, it's less desirable. It's yeah, it's, it's a heuristic essentially. Right. And the idea was that, you know, I had a brain scan done and he was able to be like, okay, like with these areas of your brain or this functioning of your brain, like we're going down like the least optimal pathway, like plan Z. (laughs) (laughs) So the idea was (laughs) right. Like they strap, um, like sensors to your head. And like for my, yeah, for my form of neurofeedback, I was watching movies. I got to go in every day, pick a movie. They had sensors attached to my brain. They attached it to my program based on my, my specific scan. And each day they were targeting a different thing, like safety, depression, um, auditory processing, whatever. And then basically I would be like watching this movie and every time my brain fired down any pathway other than like plan A, like the one, like, you know, for most optimal functioning, um, Mm -hmm. anytime I fired down any pathway other than plan A, the screen would like go super small or like the sound would static or Right. And so it forces your brain to like figure it out because it likes when it restores full functioning of the movie. It's like an operant conditioning, Ooh. essentially, for your brain. How is the movie training training those pathways? Like, is it how you're mentally reacting exactly. to the scene? Well, not to the scene. Um, it's just like when the screen goes super small like that or like the sound cuts out or whatever, it causes you uh-huh. to be like uncomfortable and want it to restore so your brain subconsciously it's all subconscious is trying to figure out what it needs to do in order for it to come back and restore and once it restores it learns that oh when i go down this pathway i get rewarded wow yeah that is super interesting and i mean you're watching a movie so it's minimal efforts yeah it's subconscious like it's entirely subconscious but the thing is like after an hour or two hours of that like you're tired like it is a brain workout yeah that's what i was thinking yes you're just passively watching a movie but it must be hard to because your subconscious is rewiring itself essentially exactly exactly wow that's insane and that's i feel like how healing in general works we have i think I don't know how to say this, but the body, when we allow it to do it, just heals itself automatically. I think it's so ridiculous that we have a healthcare system, which is not a healthcare, it's money care, I don't know, disease care, but we have all of these external medication and 
systems to heal and fix us, why would there be human bodies that don't even function properly on their planet? And these bodies were designed to function on Earth. Why am I allergic to a plant, to peanuts, to a fruit that grew on this planet? We did that with pollution and the food, GMOs. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're always distracted with phones, work, making money, always feeling inadequate. Then we have trauma from childhood and you got the perfect recipe for a non-functioning human being. (laughs) Which is profitable. Which is completely profitable. Yeah. I love to hear about like these things where you can literally heal yourself what was your favorite for you like we have breath work we have reiki we have yoga which one have you tried and which one do you prefer so i think another thing for me was that like you mentioned at the beginning like at first i really just had this need to just understand right understand everything like fix myself quote unquote and so at first it was really need to just like, oh, I want to try everything. I want to do everything. Read every book. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And then you come to realize that like, you know, when you're doing all the things, A, the potency is lacking because your energy is just spread all over the place. And then B, it, it's hard to tell what's making an impact. So I, you know, in my most recent years of my healing journey, uh, I've tried to keep it simple, right. And just focus on like one thing at a time, one or two things at a time. Um, it's been a while since I've practiced yoga. I'd love to get back into it. I was so disconnected from my body Mm. prior to all this work that even yoga was difficult for me, even though that's what it's great for is reconnecting you. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, like I, between neurofeedback, breath work, somatic experiencing itself, and like plant medicine healing as well i gen oh and of course meditation i i genuinely don't know if i could say that one thing was most impactful for me like there truly is like no no formula no tangibility necessarily but that's you know like that's just part of it is like surrendering to that right Yeah, no, you'll know what works for you. And it's a blend of things that you like and that have worked for you. You mentioned plant medicine, which I'm a big fan of. I am on a microdosing protocol myself. So can you tell us about your maybe like an experience? And um, I know you are looking to take a class, a course, a program to be legally authorized to administer plant medicine to people. Is that, is that where you're going or am I missing the mark? Yeah. 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 I mean, that is part of, you know, the path that I see for myself, the, the practicum placement that I'm currently in negotiation with for September um, is an organization that is kind of like leading that uh, legalization of psychedelic assisted therapies. And I mean, I wouldn't be able to administer psychedelic therapies in my practicum per se, but um, yeah, it would be fantastic if I was able to do that down the road. But yeah, same thing in the sense that I, I had a lot of, not a lot necessarily, but I had a significant amount of experience as a client with, with a couple of different medicines and just saw the incredible power of it when 
in the right conditions with the right people, mm-hmm. right? Like it's something that needs to be done properly. Like it can also be on the other side of the spectrum too, right? Yeah. Can you speak so, on that? Uh, on my experiences? Well, maybe just your experience, absolutely, maybe a positive one or a negative one, but also like the importance of preparing your environment and setting an intention and really like Mm -hmm. respecting the plan. Because if we want to go down this road of psychedelics, they they are a powerful and potent way to access uh, altered states of consciousness and maybe knowledge and wisdoms that you don't necessarily have access to in your regular day-to-day functioning mind so mm-hmm. yeah i'm really interested to get to talk about psychedelics their benefits and your experience how did you how did you come across psychedelics was it like oh let me try this jog more recreationally and then you no. kind of realize the power or you already know you already approach the plan because of its properties yes so yeah long story short um i actually like you know in my teenage years um never engaged with any recreational drugs never tried anything well except for weed marijuana but yeah i i had such a crippling like version of panic disorder that anytime i felt any sensation in my body that was like not of the norm like any nausea, any stomach pain, any weakness, shakiness, it set off alarm bells in my head. I would have a panic attack and I would full on fall unconscious. Like I would faint. I was always very afraid of anything mind altering because my reaction and the loss of control and the unsafety in my body, I just wasn't sure what would happen to me. Right. So yeah, like in my undergraduate degree in psychology, um, one of my professors actually encouraged us to do a research paper on MDMA-assisted psychotherapy. And I'm like, that's interesting, like that he would encourage that. Right. And I did the paper and just like was sucked right in. I'm like, this is so fascinating. Like, I'm so tired of papers. I've done 11 years of university, but that one, I'm like, let's go. Like I was right into it an incredible paper if I do say so myself Uh, (laughs) but yeah so I had I had a ton of knowledge about it that's where it started Um, and then I was working with someone like a therapist who had actually gone through the clinical trials of it in in the U.S. I believe I'd never asked for details but had experienced it themselves and so they were able to connect me to someone who was able to do some sessions for me. It took a great amount of courage for me, right? To go into these sessions and try a substance I'd never tried. And yeah, because it was completely new to me. Having control over your experience was really important. So surrendering to that must have been super scary. It started with MDMA. Yes. But honestly, about the the control over your experience thing, honestly, I would say that's a common thing among trauma survivors. Like a big part of trauma is the fact that you've experienced something so overwhelming, your system can't cope with it. Like you've lost control, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so part of trying to create safety for yourself, you know, after, after trauma is you wanting to have that control, create that safety wherever you can. The first session was very interesting. Apparently I did not 
react like anything the practitioner had ever seen before. No, how was that? <laughs> I was frozen. Really? I couldn't move my body. <gasps> yeah. Does it make sense for you? It, yeah, it, it well, it didn't in the moment. But yeah, like as I've learned more and more about the nervous system and somatic experiencing, I was in a full like dorsal vagal shutdown, like a full on freeze response. Wow. And yeah. do you know why that happened? Well, hello again, gorgeous soul. Thank you so much for making it halfway through this episode between me and my dear friend, Hunter. I hope you're finding value in our conversation because I certainly am. And now I'd like to introduce you to today's episode sponsor, Volume Health. We love to talk about plant medicine in this house. And since I am on a microdosing protocol myself, I thought I would let you guys know about the products that I use. They're Canadian based. All of their products are vegan, organic, non-GMO, locally harvested, super good quality. The packaging is amazing. Give me a second. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see, but as you can tell, the packaging is super fun. It's super colorful. But the main reason why I love their products is for the long-term effects, especially on my mental health. I've definitely noticed a shift, especially after a year of taking their products regularly on a regular basis. I'm less stressed. I have clearer ideas. I like my ego mind takes more of a passenger seat perspective. I'm not saying that I became Buddha or Gandhi. <laughs> Far from that. I'm still very much human, but you know, it helps to give you a different perspectives on a lot, including on yourself. But I do have to say, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a physician. This is not medical advice, this isn't mental health advice either. Please take this with a grain of salt. I'm simply sharing what works for me. Always look out for yourself, do your own research, and don't trust everything you hear on the internet, including myself. <laughs> um, but if you do want to start a microdosing protocol, I've been using their products for a year and I've been, and I am super satisfied. Their name is Volume Health. You can find the link in the show notes or the description box if you're watching on YouTube. And they were super nice to give me a coupon code for my audience. So if you want to save 15% off all of your purchases with Volume Health, you can use code ABB15 for 15% off. Again, that is ABB15, just like Antoine Billboard 15 for 15% off on volumehealth.com. And now, without further ado, let's dive right back into today's episode with Hunter. I've started the somatic experiencing training. I'm, you know, two thirds of the way through my first year. And um, basically what we learn in that training is that when fight or flight are not available to you for some reason in whatever event you're in, you can often resort to, yeah, freeze or fawn, which is kind of related to freeze. But, and then the thing is like, if that freeze response saves you, like protects you, like, especially if it happens for the first time when you're young, you can't fight, you can't flight. Uh, maybe it's something in the home, right? And it's people you rely on to keep you safe. It's, um, so yeah, you freeze. Mm. And then 
you know, that kept you safe. And so your body's like, well, why would I try anything else? Right. And you just get stuck in a chronic freeze response. And that's where I lived most of my life and didn't realize. Wow. And it became very apparent in my first session. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it was pretty wild. And another thing is we were seeing, well, again, I wasn't seeing it at the time. This is something I learned after, but they were seeing like trauma flushing show up on me, like marks on my neck. Wow. That looked like I was being, I had just been strangled in that moment. Wow. Like they just came out of nowhere. <sighs> and again, that's not something that is commonly seen in treatment like that. And then another weird response that I had was in the days following, I could not stop puking. Like I was purging. <laughs> wow. It looks like you yeah. had a whole combo or ayahuasca experience. Pretty much. Yeah. On MDMA. Because MDMA, what it did to me, puts me like in this ecstatic state where like everything is soft and it feels good and all of your serotonin just gets released all at once. So I'm like, oh, why, why the freeze response? You know, like you, like the session ends up lasting like six hours. So you have, you know, a dose at the beginning, another dose later, that kind of thing. But no, I, I do believe, well, I, I feel quite certain that it was just, that's my body's response. That's my protective mechanism. The first session ended up being very talk. Like I just kind of word vomited. Um, which was therapeutic in its own right for me, because having a voice has been something that's been difficult for me. But I did go in with the intention of healing, you know, some specific traumas within the body. So I went for a session two a few months later, and it was more or less the same, which was also surprising to them. So after, you know, discussing with other people in this psychedelic space, um, kind of came to the conclusion that I needed to have an ayahuasca experience in order to really like surrender for the first time, because I wasn't able to go to these deep corners, um, in the MDMA assisted psychotherapy, because I was too, I still consciously had my blocks up. Like I was too aware of what she was trying to do and I was frozen and I couldn't go there. And so, yeah, <laughs> we're like, I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do it. So that was what was next for me. Ayahuasca is nothing. I mean, is everything but mainstream. It's popular. It's, it has a reputation among a certain community of people looking for those things. But like, if for you, it was like almost the last resort or the only solution in a world where ayahuasca is not the norm, like there are so many people who could and probably are in a similar situation that you have been through, disconnected from the body, unable to surrender. I would love ayahuasca to become more mainstream and I would love right now to hear about your experience. Did you go through your ayahuasca experience or is it just in the ethers? Yeah, no, I've had a, I've had a couple. Um... <laughs> she's like yes every wednesday morning because <laughs> <laughs> you gotta let it integrate right that's a thing sometimes it doesn't make sense after a while and for mine i don't know if it will ever cognitively make sense mm. because my my journeys thus far with ayahuasca were like very very somatic 
like very in the body. Mm. Um, like I, you know, after two ceremonies within a week, wow. going on the other side, I felt like some of the freeze, a significant amount of the freeze had thawed. Like I literally feel like her spirit went in my body and like thawed out freeze. Oh, wow. Like I was like an ice cube. Wow. Yeah. So it was very, very, very uncomfortable in my body. Just a lot of like sensations and I could just like feel her like moving within um, my body. And so I feel like a lot of the experiences that are talked about with ayahuasca are very like visual and very like, oh yeah, like I went down like, you know, memory lane and that kind of stuff. And so initially, I mean, I felt disappointed. I felt broken. I felt, you know, I'm like, oh, I did again. I had an opposite reaction of everyone else. Like, <laughs> but as I learned more and more about ayahuasca, yeah, like she will give you what you need. And, you know, it's again, from a bottom up perspective, like we can't have these like, well, maybe we can, but not always have these like visual memory type experiences. If there's like significant blocks in the body, like the body starts first, right? She definitely started in the body with me. I, um, (laughs) I don't know if I've ever been that uncomfortable in my body in my life. In fact, I've no, I know for sure. I've never been that uncomfortable in my body in my life. I definitely thought I would never, ever sit with her again. <laughs> it definitely took me, I would say, about a year to integrate after, even though it was somatic. I think especially because it was somatic. Yeah, because there's no words to like describe the experience. And you talk to her, you refer to her as her and she. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I mean, um, in the Native traditions in which she comes from and is a big part of, ayahuasca is referred to as grandmother. And yeah, like she has a a grandmother-like spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's peyote, that's the grandfather. And it's it tends to be a little softer. Peyote tends to be a little softer. It's like... You know, your grandpa is more playful and will take you on like little rides. So yes, it'll be challenging, but it's a little bit easier. But then if you go to grandma, it's like, you did something bad. Grandma is going to be mad. But it's always like with this loving motherly energy. It's like she's like, okay, you wanted this. You're going to get it. Yeah. You're going to get what you wanted. Do you find that the body will still protect you because the body will never put you in a situation that you cannot handle. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I can definitely (laughs) speak on that. So yeah, an interesting thing was the first ceremony, I like, I could hear that everyone was feeling it and I felt nothing. And so, you know, at about the mid middle point, it's like, do you want to come up for more? And I'm like, I guess so. So I went up for more. Um, and then, then I guess it hit me and my body kept fainting just like I would normally do. Um, so my first experience included a lot of fainting, like, again, like the body still trying to protect itself. And then the second experience, same thing. Like I wasn't feeling it. Everyone else was, 
Um, but I was feeling excruciating stomach and back pain at the same time, like so much so. And I was like, oh, this is so annoying. Like, I just want this to go away so I can be in this without recognizing that this is this, right? This was it, yeah. Yeah, because then, you know, like I had someone come over and like support me. And then, yeah, like I started massaging like my stomach and my back. And as soon as massage those parts out, boom, it hit me. So again, my body was putting up physical pain as a block. Like that's how hard it was fighting to keep control. I've had an experience since then with a different medicine where it did a very similar thing with a migraine. Like it was a blinding migraine trying to fight losing control. Repressed energy will cause pain. So if we're talking about energy to the scale of ayahuasca, imagine your whole body preventing you from going on that trip. <laughs> it's gonna hurt. <laughs> and the other thing was I was unable to purge during both of my ceremonies. I was the only one. I was the only one who was not able to, you know, rid myself of all that was coming up for me. So all this was coming up in my body. I'm in so much discomfort and pain. All you want to do at that point, believe it or not, is puke to get rid of it. And I couldn't. So again, the body had lots of ways that it was still trying to, yeah, fight and remain in control. It's very fascinating, really. It was frustrating at the time, but it's fascinating when you look back and yeah. When you can think about it, have you noticed any shift in your experience so far since the ayahuasca ceremony? Yeah. So, okay. The most pivotal moment. So the people I was with knew, of course, that I have a history of like falling unconscious from panic attacks. So there was at one point near the end of my second ceremony when, um, I was starting to faint again, but I can't really explain it. But when I get in these states, it's like, I'm sucked up into a vortex. I have no control. I don't know what's happening. I can't verbalize it. And in that moment, someone actually happened to be near me and was able to recognize like by, you know, they were able to recognize by tracking my nervous system, like just being really attuned to me, they were able to recognize that I was fainting and out loud, they said the words, I think she's going into shutdown. And hearing those words gave me again, yeah, like a verbal connection to what was happening. And then I didn't faint. And that was an incredibly pivotal moment for me. And I have not fainted from a panic attack since that moment. And that was years ago. That was the last time I fainted from a panic attack. It was that level of attunement and reflection in the moment of someone being able to verbalize my experience and witness my experience that healed that incredible because it's 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 what you've been struggling with naming and describing and verbalizing and it happened externally but your brain was like oh this is what i'm going through okay i i'm I'm fainting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is what it feels like to faint. Mm -hmm. Let's stop it. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's super interesting. And also ayahuasca. The, um, I've heard a story earlier this month about this person going into the void, about how 
they went on a ayahuasca trip and like you were saying the other people describe visuals and places and sometimes euphoria but they just went into the void and for the whole trip they just kept hearing voices saying the most horrible things and the reason why she did the ayahuasca trip is because she didn't feel like she had any like passion for life or desire to stay alive but then after being into the void no life no life no colors no spell no nothing just the voice in your head for hours that feels like years you come back and you see the light you're like oh my god it's like going in um what's it called the darkness like this pitch black room that you go in there for like a couple days they bring you your meals but it's pitch black and it's just you and yourself wow yeah like seeing that contrast right and again it all comes back to like she truly will give you what you need and it may not consciously make sense but yeah plants plants are spirits right like they're living energy I know it's special like there's an actual spirit because I'm wondering I know like mushrooms psychedelic mushrooms they are our teachers like if we go to the stoned ape theory would have been apes who ate psychedelic mushrooms then they developed language and cognition I think the human DNA could be stemming down from mushroom, which is why we have this direct connection and why it's so it's it's teaching us. It's it's really is teaching us. I remember like one trip I was doing and I had these thoughts, like these weird thoughts, and I was having this conversation with my ex at the time. And I wasn't about anything about personal development yet, like at all, nothing. But I was like I'm having these thoughts. I can't really explain. This is so interesting. And now it's my new normal and the whole world is. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're here. <laughs> and now we're here. <laughs> but yeah, it's been a journey. And like all of those healing modalities, breathwork or plant medicine have had their part in me feeling better. Yeah. Wanting or not. Yeah. And I mean, as coming full circle to kind of what we were talking about at the beginning is there are a lot of therapy modalities, which, you know, we said talk therapy totally has its place, but there's a lot of structure, right? There's a lot of formula for something that can't really be standardized or like, you know, like (laughs) no one's going to have the same healing path. The same thing is not going to help for everyone. Like, it's going to be different for all of us. And like, it truly, to me anyways, like, I believe it just, it comes down to creating the right conditions, right? Like that attunement, that safety, that autonomy. It's essentially giving back what was taken away. And I don't think there is two people who have experienced exactly the same thing. Yes, we can categorize because that's what the human brain does. We want to name and categorize but i don't know how to express this okay let's take pronouns we're doing so much progress with pronouns and of course people are like there's only men and women period other people like 
now like we get all these pronouns i think we're at 72 which is good it's progress but i think we need 8 billion pronouns like every single human is different has an identity should have their own pronoun and it's the same for healing there's no textbook formula it's not like mcdonald's you buy the name you apply and then boom you get the same results no i'm not a burger <laughs> i'm not a car that you can just manufacture and bring in to get repaired no i change i have my ebbs and flows my season something that could work one day and not work the next day there's too many variables so what would you say to someone in this day and age desiring to feel better and operate better hmm, that's a great question also considering that everyone's different yeah everyone is different you know i think in a sea of well with mass consumerism marketing social media um you know everyone wants to market the cure right everyone wants to be like take my program and you'll be like me and especially if we have a fawn response, right? Like you can be really susceptible to that. Like being very vulnerable, like going through a lot of trauma and be like, you know, this person's better. She's going to show me exactly what she did. Like, why wouldn't I try that? But from what I have learned in my own experience, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's important to kind of find someone or like be, you know, open coming across someone who just the way they move through your life, their life like aligns with you. Someone, yeah, who you can feel like safe around to go through your process, right? And yeah, like asking questions. And honestly, like, I feel like it's just, it's so important to, I know we all say this <laughs> and like, it's hard to really like, understand and deeply feel the meaning behind it until you have and you know even once you've understood it, <laughs> it it still wavers but like we truly truly do have all the answers within mm. like we, we truly do mm -hmm. right and so i think you know we me included right constantly are looking for the answer looking for quick fixes looking externally, scrolling through my phone, like, oh, I need more content. I need to know more. Right? But if you stop distracting yourself and you give yourself that space to just be in your own energy, like just tuning into what your body, your mind, your soul has to say without the influence and the noise of anyone and everyone else. And that doesn't have to be through meditation. That might be through going for a swim, like going outside, anything where you know, like you feel like you're in your flow and you're just with yourself. And when you give yourself that space to just like be with yourself and not always be like looking for the next thing and more, 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 like you'd be surprised at the amount of like direction and answers that drop in your path just may, you know, appear to you when you're in the state of not looking. Right. And so, yeah, I guess that would be my advice is to the best that you can to really tune in to your guidance system to learn the next steps. Yeah. As you said, it sounds really nice, but it's hard to listen to our own guidance and it takes time. 
I think to just start with the intention of wanting to develop this attunement to yourself will help shift the needle. And as you were talking about, like it's almost like your path is going to appear in front of you or the right person, the right coach, the right... We're, we're looking for the cure who's going to fix everything at once. But what if we got to approach our past and trauma and self? as a i don't know a house that we haven't visited for a while and you have all of these little holes and places and doors and hallways that you haven't explored for the longest time and you might find surprises i have it in me to heal to heal we have a whole pharmacy we have a whole universe totally. inside of us it's it's all in there and you know just really like like realizing that like like all of this marketing all of social media like and don't get me wrong i engage in it i use it but just i try to keep in mind that like it is literally designed to make us feel like we need the fixes right if i can just end with a little quick story about kind of where my Please. where my little thread started okay very quick so I, I used to work in marketing. Um, it was a path not chosen by me. It was a path chosen for me. Mm. Um, and within six months of working in it, I just, I, I couldn't, I didn't want to be alive. I just couldn't, I quit. I had no plan. And I laid in bed in my mom's basement every day, just crying and being like, looking for a sign. I didn't have the energy to do anything. Um, and I was just waiting. Yeah. Waiting for a sign. And then randomly one day, I don't know how it exactly it showed up. It might've been social media. It might've been an email, but it was like meditation teacher training. And this was like five years ago. And Ooh. I'd never really meditated before. And uh, I don't know, I had no money. I had no job, but I was like, I, I felt like I needed to sign up for it, even though I had never really been a meditator before. And I'm like, I have no idea why. I feel like I just finished working in marketing. I have no idea what I'm doing with my life, but I just keep getting this, like, you need to sign up for this meditation teacher training. Wow. And so I just, that's where I started. I'm like, you know what? This is $2,000. I don't even have $2,000. I did have room on my credit card. So I was privileged in that sense. But I was like, for once in my life, I'm just going to listen to myself, even though it makes no sense to me in mm. the context of my life. And the majority of, you know, the places I went after that and the people I connected with all stemmed from people I met in that training five years ago. Wow. So again, it made no sense at all, but I went for it. And then I met someone who knew, some, you know, like it just rippled. That's how it echoes. It ripples. Yeah. Wow. Divine timing. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for this beautiful share, Hunter. It's, thank you. I love hearing about synchronicities and how we're always supported and guided. And even when it doesn't feel like we're going nowhere, even when we're crying our eyes out every single day in our mom's basement, it's, it's just a season. There's something else on the other side. And while you're in it, feel it. Because we feel to heal. <laughs> 
you got that right. Yes. All right, Hunter, it's been a wonderful conversation. Do you have any last words for the listeners? And also, where can they find you? And if you have any special offer going on at the moment? Yeah, so um, I am just actually in the middle of launching my breathwork business and breathwork offerings. So my Instagram for that is live underscore embodied. And I will be releasing my website and some group and one-on-one sessions in the next month. And then if you keep your eyes peeled, I am planning uh, a program for September, which is still kind of in the works. My last words are, yeah, self-trust, trusting yourself. That is you know, the hardest battle, but so, so, so important. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always love our conversation. Me too. Me too. And all of Hunter's links are going to be in the show notes. Make sure to give her some love. And to everyone who was listening, thank you again for tuning in. And I'll see you next week for the next episode of the Billboard Podcast. Bye, guys. Bye. Alright, gorgeous soul, thank you so, so much for listening to another episode of the Billboard Podcast. If you find value in this episode, please go ahead and leave the show a 5-star review. Not only does it allow me to keep doing my thing, but it also brings the show to more people. And if you've learned something, why don't you take your contribution one step further by sharing the episode to a friend? I remember in my own personal growth journey, I just loved when people would send me an episode that they thought was resourceful. So why don't you be that friend? Share the love, share the message, and send this episode to a friend. I thank you in advance. I'm so grateful that you're here. And now, if you'd like to, let's hop right into another episode of the Billboard Podcast.